0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 76 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Mark got Zelda, so we pretty much have to say goodbye to Mark from this show for a while. PSN gets a price hike in Europe. Rockstar being sued again. Pez's pre-order bonus is going to go fast. And our book club this week covers a game whose scale blew our minds on the PS2. It's GTA San Andreas. Let's start the show. 76 of Link to the Cast from linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am each and every week by the platforming prodigy that is
1: Sporting Albatross Robinson. How are you this week? I'm fine. Friend? I'm okay. I, uh, As mentioned, I have Zelda. So yeah, Bye.
0: <laughs> well, it was nice having you while you were here. Uh, we're joined by a guest this week, a man who, who hasn't been on the show for a while and a uh, long overdue revisit. It's the Roman Reigns of Audio. It's Jack Lazell Jack, how are you?
2: Bottom, bottom, da da Hi Dave, I'm fine, thanks very much. Yep.
1: It's amazing, um, really. Sorry to go into full-on wrap-up mode, but it is amazing that all three of the members of the Shield have really poor entrance music fair
2: what are you talking about mate that was awesome
1: <laughs> sorry um, carry
0: on. how are you jack yeah we, we can we can hash this out in a few weeks when we probably do one of those shows yeah how, how have you been jack it's been a while since you've been on the show was it been yes. since the
2: was it game of the year last time you were on <laughs> what when were you when were you on last <laughs> um yeah, i i am um, weeks run into each other around i know it's just uh, i was i was loving the high-pitched voice is, is, <laughs> Jack, you know? <laughs> um, So, yeah, I, that was probably the last time I was on Link to the Cast, as it is in this format. I've been on a couple of wrap ups uh, How am I? I'm just at the end of my tether, waiting for the fucking football season to come back, <laughs> lads.
0: <laughs> Only, as, as we're recording this, is it four days till the Community Shield?
2: Yes. Oh, Jesus, that's fucking come by quickly. Oh, I can, mercy I can... me. I can visually see my tickets, so yeah, much hype.
0: I've I've got my I've got my home kit for the season purchased today, uh, so I am ready to roll. I'm well overdue. I renewed the fantasy football league, the the standard first step in getting
2: excited for the season. Absolutely, and yeah, so, I've been playing uh, been playing quite a lot of video games to kind of fill up my life in the yeah in, in the interim. I think I think we'll go straight into that this week because
0: I think we we've a lot to talk about when it comes to games uh, this week. So uh, without further ado, playing this week. Check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Jack, I think the uh, the, the guest of the show should uh, take the office and go first here. What, what have you been playing lately?
2: I have been playing Final Fantasy XII... 12 the zodiac age on the playstation 4 console
0: uh this is a game you have been intermittently uh at me to try and get myself and i have thus far resisted your persuasion but uh how how, what what is this game how has it been for you
2: um it's a game i i remember really really enjoying so like set the scene of like me 10 years ago basically i'm the same person um just you know a bit less weight uh and i really like loved playing through final fantasy 12 and i've i've remembered nothing about the story and i'll get to that later as to why i remembered nothing about the story but it was one of the last really big releases for the playstation 2 which is a console that i have infinite amounts of affection for which again we'll, we'll probably get to even a bit later so I was very happy when I heard that they were re-releasing Final Fantasy 12 because it was kind of a nice way of like reconnecting with the game without actually having to dust off the the PS2. And like it looks great. Uh they've really kind of upped the graphics and it it looks even better than the uh 10 remaster that they brought out a couple of years ago. Uh and yeah, I've just been I've been loving it. It's it's like like meeting an old friend again for the first time in years and you've got to go back and talk about all the same things you used to talk about and redo everything and yeah I I've, I've just been loving it so it's playing right into the nostalgia trip for
1: me what is it about final fantasy 12 that uh differentiates itself or just um, kind of makes it stand out from from some of the others like 6 and 7 um, and even 15 yeah. well, Like is quite different actually in some of the ways it uh, so 15-
2: fifteen. 15 is probably its closest peer, actually in the way that the battle system works so pretty much every single final fantasy has been like a turn-based battle system where you, you go into an encounter as opposed to actually just you know walking around and hacking enemies apart which is the way final fantasy 12 works you all the enemies that are there they're present on the battlefield you're not going to drop into account encounter in some trees or something and something jump out at you everything is like in front of you so in that sense and and the way i try to pitch it to you mark is it's probably the most zelda like final fantasy and that (laughs) yes it has all the rpg elements as well but there's kind of a sort of action adventury feel to it as well in in the way that you play the game so yeah that that kind of separates it oh and also separates it is the fact that the story is pretty much a (laughs) non-entity throughout the game is that
1: because part of me feels like that might be for the best because one of the big things I hear about, say, uh, like Final Fantasy Thirteen, is I hear a lot of people say, oh, that game gets really good. And like the story really picks up after like 20 to 30 hours, which is just absolutely unacceptable for me. Um, <laughs> th- so with Final Fantasy Twelve, like does it kind of offer its hand relatively quickly so you can say, OK, right, I know what I'm dealing with here. I can just jump in and start playing
2: pretty much it's like right so there's a conflict between two like there's two nations it's a big like world and there's two nations in the middle that are kind of uh sort of friendly with each other and then there's this other nation who are like the empire uh who have kind of basically invaded and taken over everything and there's just one guy who's an absolute chode and you're like yep don't like that guy straight away you know that's the guy that you're going to be aiming towards again uh you gradually pick up a few people along the way you pick up one of the coolest by far uh characters in all of final fantasy a guy who's a sky pirate called baltier which is as cool as it sounds in every way uh and yeah you just basically run around the world and, and build up your characters and kind of everything's open plain uh rather than sort of You know, lots of jetpacking around. You can teleport later on in the game, but it's just pretty much running around and finding enemies and training and doing things that you like to do and fighting stuff off. It's it's really
1: good. It's really fun. Had they dropped off the, the random encounter mechanic by this point?
2: Yeah, so there's it's not really there's no random encounters whatsoever. Everything's in front of you. So you walk out and you're like, Hmm, there's a big T Rex like thing. I won't go over there just now because you know what level you are and whether or not you can take it down or not. So yeah, it's it everything's open world pretty much. All of the things are running around. It's it's almost exactly like Zelda, I would say. Except things kinda have like HP as opposed to uh hearts. Yeah, that, that's the only difference.
0: Um, I, I think I'll, I'll go uh, next here because uh, I really want, can't wait to hear Mark talk about one of the games on his list. Um, and I, I'm still playing a bit of Fallout 4. Um, it's funny, I, I went away when I was away house sitting uh, for two weeks. I went away with the right, I'm going to get to a bunch of 2017 games that I really need to break the back of or finish so that I can get them cleared off the list in plenty of time for when we're talking about Game of the Year later in the year. And uh, I ended up playing Fallout 4 from two years ago and GTA San Andreas from a decade and a half ago most of the time I was there. So that was a colossal failure. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, this week was that in in Fallout 4, the deeper I get into it, the more I realized that it was <laughs> the we we all remember uh the, the, you two guys um the the much storied technical issues that this game had when it came out it was all over the fucking place when it came out i bounced off it very quickly because i wasn't at the point at which the game gets interesting yet uh and i was having to kind of trudge through significant technical issues and i was hearing about how like stuff that i really wanted to go Tord had some game-breaking and save corrupting bugs in it. So I was like, fuck this. Didn't touch it again. And now that I'm back and it largely works. I say largely works. There was a day there was a day there recently I was playing it and I turned my camera around to look at a car and the car all of a sudden sprung directly upwards into space. Uh so there are still some glitches. Are you sure glitches. that wasn't
2: on purpose?
0: I, <laughs> I, I cool. wish I wish it was on purpose. Is that basically the Fulton system from Metal Gear Solid 5? <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, it'd certainly solve encumbrance issues if I could have Fulton everything back to my settlement. But um the the technical glitches that I was encountering in 2015 really sold short the game that it is because it's kind of reminiscent of a game we're going to be talking about in a minute in Breath of the Wild uh, that Mark's been playing this week in as much as there is a central quest line but the more you kind of dive deeper into the game and explore the wasteland in Fallout 4 the more you realise that yeah you could just do the critical path and head off that way but you're going to miss some like incredibly rewarding and surprisingly deep side quests so uh, i'm not really afraid of spoiling side quests from a game that's two years old on people so if you haven't really if if you haven't played fallout 4 and still intend to kind of go into it clean uh skip the next two minutes or so but uh so this will give you an example of the the depth that's in that game that you would be surprised by. Um, I'm kind of wandering around in, I think it's somewhere in Boston, somewhere in, in the city, fighting off a bunch of raiders, and I take uh, cover behind a bus while I pop off the last couple of them. One of them is a legendary raider, so I kind of have to, you know, uh, think smartly about it rather than running in, firing off uh, an entire clip into them like I normally would do. Um and while i 'm gunning them from behind the bus, I notice that there 's this kind of oddly illuminated red door behind me and uh, once i 've cleared off the raiders, I walk in and it 's this house with a couple of raiders in it, and they seem really disturbed by something, but then they kind of realize i 'm there, start shooting me, I kill them, and then I kind of turn left into what would be maybe the parlor of this house you would you would describe it as, and I see this. <laughs> This this grotesque kind of um, Hannibal esque art piece made out of corpses in the in the in the parlor, and it's just they're kind of like there's heads on spikes, there's all sorts of fucked up con- like contortions done to the corpses and stuff like that, and they all have calling cards on them from somebody called Pickman, and the more you kind of go into the house, the more you notice that. Um, There are more bodies, all sorts of fucked up things done to them. And you're seeing more stuff from this Pikmin character. There's a lot of art around that appears to be painted in blood. um, And then you kind of fill out the details and realize that there's a serial killer wandering around the wastelands of Boston who's kind of doing this, like finding raiders and other people, killing them and mutilating their corpses for his own art. And eventually you you follow a series of clues. You go down into a basement. You find your way to where the raiders uh, in an act of vengeance have cornered this this weird. He's a really like just creepy kind of clean cut looking dude in a suit who speaks very calmly about his art. They have him cornered and you have a choice then to kill the raiders and kill him, kill the raiders and let him go because he's killing raiders. So maybe ultimately that's the best thing to do. Or you can let the raiders kill him. Um, and and then maybe kill the raiders yourself if you like. Um, like it was a side quest that I just happened upon, and it ended up taking up about an hour of my time. There's there's another one. There's a little town called Good Neighbor where you run into this this kind of mutated looking ghouly guy who is a big fan of an old kind of um, radio play called The Silver Shroud. This is it. It basically is a side quest that's two th- two hours long, maybe. Uh, that follows the plot of you guys seen the have seen the Batman animated series, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you remember the episode about the Grey Ghost?
1: Uh, Not off the top did, of my head, no. It's been a okay, while. So the the, the
0: Grey Ghost was like the um the, the like the silent film uh, era kind of uh vigilante on whom kind of um the, the older generation in Gotham had been inspired by and it's a real kind of, even for that show, it's a very noir episode about this 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 grey ghost character. It's, a, it's one of the, the better oh, episodes. Oh, that was the
2: one that Adam West played, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah uh, it's, I, it's, I do remember that.
0: It's one of the better episodes of the show. I, I definitely strongly urge everybody to look it up. But it's basically that where... Um, there's this character called the Silver Shroud who was on radio plays and he was an avenging angel sort of figure who was cleaning up the streets. And now this guy who said, like, we're in a, living in a time in the wasteland without hope, we need the Sh- Silver Shroud again, kind of f- wrangles you into dressing up as the shil- Silver Shroud. Well, fir- firstly, you go and bump off the people in the old recording studio where you can find the Silver Shroud outfit. Then you dress as the Silver Shroud and go around bumping off like drug dealers and things like that in this little town for an hour or so. And then you go to save that guy, Kent, because he gets kidnapped by the guy who's behind all these crimes. And the whole the whole while you're doing it, you get different dialogue options when you encounter them. And there's like your standard, there's sarcastic answer, serious answer, um, dickhead answer of trying to like bribe them for caps and they can go on their merry way or my favorite one which was to basically the lean into character button where you would put on a booming radio voice and say that I am the shroud of justice and I am here to clean these streets and they like the whole while like most of the criminals when you start speaking out, they're like what the fuck
1: <laughs> is this shit
0: about and then they try to shoot you and, and and you kill them but if you kind of you're rewarded from that quest because if you go for the couple of hours and you don't break character at all doing the whole thing the legend of the silver shroud starts to spread through the wasteland so when you show up to rescue your buddy kent at the end uh you walk into the room and you go through the dialogue options with the big boss guy who's called sinjin and if you Keep leaning into character as the Silver Shroud there, and and keep talking in your booming radio voice. Um, At the end of the dialogue options, his entire gang go fuck! It really is the Silver Shroud, and they all run away, and it just leaves that guy alone. And it gives you a chance, like you have this really really small window to try and like either with iron sights or vats try and headshot him so that he won't kill your buddy Kent. Um, It's a it's an incredibly like. The depth this game goes to is, is really, really fascinating to me. And it, it 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 it's no wonder that it has such a fanatical community when you can be just wandering around and stumble into something that occupies three hours of your time and is so just fantastically well written. Um, The other thing I've been playing, and I'm going to talk about it briefly because I've only played it for about an hour or so, and I'm, I'm going to get back to it right after we've been recording, is Tacoma tacoma is a game that's on it's on steam for both windows and mac and it's a console exclusive on xbox one for the time being at least it's the latest game from fulbright who are the people who brought you gone home um and
1: have have either of you seen what this game is about or oh, i've only seen trailers and clips from like e3 and stuff like that but outside of that i'm not too aware of what it is Jack
0: are you familiar with Tacoma or uh Tacoma, Washington, yes, but other <laughs> than that no. okay, so normally because it's very because it's it essentially to be a walking <throat> or sometimes in this game floating simulator, I'm not going to uh get too deep into the story. I'll just bait the hook a little for people that might want to get into it um it's the story of uh one woman who comes she's tasked uh to go to this space station uh, in relatively near-Earth orbit by the look of it called Tacoma where there had been a crew of six people and something happened and they are not there anymore. And no one seems to know why or at least you don't seem to know why whether the there is kind of a a shady, or perhaps not shady, but, you know, kind of sci-fi tropes, I assume they're shady, like a shady, the shady company who has sent you to investigate this may know more than they're letting on, but you certainly don't anyway. Um, and you walk through the ship and immediately as you get off your little ship and dock into the, uh, the Tacoma, you there's this little counter on which there are these kind of uh, nodes for your left and right temple that you put in and they are basically an augmented reality device so uh you're you're told as you go in that uh by agreeing to step foot on the Tacoma you're agreeing that all your kind of your movements the things you say the things you do will all be recorded as part of the ship's log and that that is the right of this company called Venturis uh to store and collect that data uh, so you walk through and you walk to various points in the ship, um, various kind of hubs in the ship, and you have this little tablet computer that you will put into the wall, and it's going to download that that part of the ship's AI from there. While you're doing that, your kind of job is to walk around and investigate the things that may have happened. Now, you, you go by environmental clues. You look at, like... Things are messy, but not kind of bloody or anything like that. Like it just looks like kind of maybe a tornado whip, whipped through some of these rooms, and some of them look like creepily still neat and tidy. And you you're prompted at various points to say, "Oh, we, there's a bit of the ship's law or a bit of the uh, the AR log is in this room." Um, so you hit X, and it recreates it, and it plays out a scene. Um, kind of like if you guys seen everybody gone, Everybody's gone. everybody Gone to the Rapture where you yeah. see the balls of light and you, you tinker with it and it explodes and becomes like this scene where these figures made out of light are walking around and talking and you're following them to see what's going on. So that's kind of what happens here. These AR kind of wireframe figures uh, appear out of nowhere and start speaking and talking and things like that. Uh, and you kind of. Analyze the scene. See what's going on. um, Listen to what they're saying. Sometimes they'll pop up their own. uh, Augmented reality screen in front of them. And you can look into that screen. And see the things they were looking at at the time. But sometimes the data is corrupted. And you can't quite see all of it. At least yet anyway. Um, And one of the the kind of. the, The twists on this. That this game does. Is the ability to fast forward and rewind. Which becomes very important. So. There's I think yeah, I think it's six people that are on this ship uh, that are recorded in the AR logs and in the middle of a scene between, say, person one and person two. Person three might walk into the room, but usually it will benefit you to rewind the scene, see where that person came from, because they may have been having a completely different conversation in another room that reveals to you maybe the next place you should go or where some sort of MacGuffin is to help you see something that you need to see um and things like that um so even though it's it's normally kind of just a, a walking simulator it, it's very much in the vein of a gone home that you pay attention to logs you pay attention to little bits of dialogue and things like that and you get invested in the crew it's definitely there's a big theme of diversity going on in here um where the like the, the crew are kind of your real mishmash of kind of races genders um even across the spectrum of sexuality things like that it's very much a kind of um very modern game in that respect uh and you do very quickly with the things that are going on in here even though like like i said an hour or so in i have literally no idea what happened to them you already uh just by reading their logs just by listening to these scenes play out they they're fully fleshed out characters they you really get invested in them very very quickly and I, i kind of don't want to say much more than that at the moment. Is there any questions either you guys might have about it, or? Uh, mm,
1: mm, not currently because I mean I haven't seen too much of it, and like by my own admission, uh, quote unquote walking simulators always one of the, of the styles of game that I tend to kind of enjoy from the outside looking in, but not so much actually playing them. Um, So I think I'd rather, like, leave it for the week, and then you can kind of come back next week and tell me, um, you know, if it's any good or if if it's worth looking into.
0: Yeah, but by by all means, it sounds like uh, people's review of it is that it's very good, but they kind of resent the idea that they're trying to do a Gone Home again, and I don't really understand the full extent of what they mean by that yet because apparently things don't become very very clear until right at the end um but you know i'm happy to play through another one of those games from those people uh very much enjoyed gone home and very much enjoy the walking simulator genre as uh, as it is sometimes referred to even though uh like it can be a bit hard to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff in it
2: it's um how would you compare it to say journey that's probably my favorite one of those games i've ever played
0: um it's definitely not as as arty as as journey the and the, the soundtrack isn't uh as just lush and gorgeous as that game uh but there definitely is that feeling of of isolation you get at some points in journey that it is, it is you alone on this journey. Now, obviously sometimes in journey, then you, you, you will, people will pop in and out and you can journey along with them, but it does capture the isolated feel you get sometimes in there and the stillness of a place that where kind of something, uh, sinister may or may not have happened. Um, yeah other than that i like it's it's more an equivalent to everybody's gone to the rapture that's the closest parallel like i like i wouldn't even apart from the fact that it's made by the same people i wouldn't have made the gone home comparison necessarily because i think i think it's because of the the wireframe frame figures and watching the scene play out and trying to get clues from that that i would most closely ally it to everybody's gone to the rapture
1: does it do anything so far um with like with the na- like in terms of narrative, is there anything in, in the way of branching dialogue or any kind of options? Or- well no no
0: it like by its own structure it can't really do that because you're arriving after the fact. Um so you can't really change what they did, but you can kind of it's almost like reverse engineering uh, branching dialogue where you can kind of see what the, per if someone comes into a conversation with some sort of detail, you can rewind to see the point at which they found out that detail, who they found it out from, get the hint from that as to where you might need to go next. Um, get get some different details in there. And all the while, you, you have this underlying mystery that something happened, you don't know what, but obviously something huge and catastrophic happened, and it seems like some people may have known what was coming, or what it was, and you need to try and figure out, you know, who, who knew what, what happened here, and right. what role does this kind of um, Wayland yutani corporation kind of motherfuckers, what, what they've got to do with it. Okay, gotcha.
1: Uh, Mark... This week, what have you been playing? Uh, so I will I guess I'll briefly touch on Breath of the Wild because I'm only about six or seven hours in, and let's be honest, uh, you can kind of attest that six or seven hours in doesn't give you the full kind of grasp of what no. <laughs> Breath of the Wild has to offer. But definitely um, from everything I've, I've heard about Breath of the Wild, because I've tried to stay in the dark as much as I, I can with this game, but it definitely has a different feel to it uh structurally um i i definitely feel that nintendo came away from skyward sword and took on board um some of the kind of key complaints that people have at that game one of them um that definitely is the case here is that just you're into the game within minutes there's no faffing around there's no um exposition for half an hour building up characters it, it just drops you straight in so it kind of currently it feels more in tune with wind waker uh in terms of into t- some degree its structure because you know
0: the, the the theme of the the joy of exploration is certainly shared absolutely
1: by yeah um though obviously wind waker is in a big vast ocean and uh, Breath of the Wild so far is just lots and lots of lovely looking mountains, which, hey, do you want to go over there? You can get over there. You've got to work for it, but you can definitely get over there. Um So I really like the idea that the game does just kind of drop you. You can even go back to the original Legend of Zelda. It just kind of drops you in there and says, hey. It, this is your world to, to go and explore in, in yeah. whatever way that you want <laughs> to go. Figure it out, fucker. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but there is it, there is a as you said, a kind of sense of joy about it. Um, like uh, Nintendo really is like, hey, you know, we are really proud of what we've, we've made here and we really want you to just go and, and explore and figure out things for yourself. So I like that. I like that because I remember when I originally saw footage of this game and you could see there was like the towers and everyone was like, oh no, they've done a Ubisoft. And it's not like that at all. Uh, for a start, the map is very clean. Um, it's it's not... And this is one of my big things that does my head in with a lot of open world games is just the map is just cluttered with... Um, just odds and ends and side quests and and collectibles and a lot of it doesn't even really matter is always not kind of crucial to the end game um and so here it kind of it gives you some options to kind of add icons and points of interest to the map but it leaves to you to make the decision on how much you want to have on the map and so i really like that and it, it treats the map like an actual map Uh, And I think that's a very novel approach to take uh, instead of just kind of just throwing everything on there, um, which a lot of open world games have the tendency to do. So, Yeah. yeah, so it's just it's a very it's a very laid back kind of pace and it's very weird. And I think as well that Skyward Sword was so clearly trying to like go more kind of narratively driven. Um, and that's not to say that it, it wasn't commendable for Nintendo trying to do that, but it just, it like the whole origin story with, uh, the, the master sword and like they were kind of playing off of, um, the, the hat from, um, Oh God, it's of my tongue now. Uh, what was the, the Game Boy Advance one? Uh, the Minish Cap, sorry, yeah. And they were trying to kind of do that, and it was just not working out. And here, it's like, there are bits of exposition, but it's it's kind of fitting nicely. It's a nice little break from the gameplay. And yeah, like, I just... I'm just enjoying going around collecting ingredients and then cooking random shit and seeing what cut co- I come out with. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I'm enjoying it. it. It feels kind of daunting of how big this game is, but... Yeah. With, like, the little things, like, it doesn't tell you that you have five of 900 uh concurrencies. It just tells you you have five, and that's it. It doesn't give you any more information than that, and I like that. It doesn't kind of put the end task on top of you. It's just like, hey, you have this many. Cool. Yeah. Well done. Um, I, I read
0: an interview with the designers who basically said that um the, the point in there being 900 of these things... Is so that everybody, like whether they're kind of players who will really dig in deep and get granular with it or just casual players of this game, everybody will be able to find a hat full of them. Yeah. Um, so that's why there are so many, because uh, I think I was saying it to you, the your inventory, which these seeds go towards uh, expanding. Uh, your inventory maxes out after about 200 of these being collected so after that there's 700 that unless you're a completionist are of literally no use to
1: you you say completionist the word is psychopath yeah you know Uh, i'll put i mean in fairness the world is very even over these six or seven hours like i've only unlocked two parts of the map fully and like i'm trying to currently trying to find my third tower um and the other thing is just the game is very difficult uh yeah like i i've immediately already kind of most enemies i just i can't be bothered to deal with them partially because they're quite difficult uh, but also partially just because of the way that weapons work and that they break and it's like okay do i do i want to deal with with this base of moblins or yeah
0: you you can't just go and smash everything up you have to be smart about it and go okay well this fight is worth it because you know thing x's on the other side of this this bunch of moblins yeah it's
1: like do i want to waste any arrows here no they're quite useful if i want to pick up some food or whatever so i I like that aspect of it Um,
0: and as well that the further you get into the game the the more ammo you'll find and the better weapons so that that becomes less of an issue then eventually once the training wheels are off
1: yeah i'm only six or seven hours in the moment The, the key thing that i want to talk about is uh funnily enough you'll be surprised to know it's a game that's a little bit like Mega Man which shouldn't come as a surprise because it was by the developers of Mega Man 9 and 10 and the Zero series. Um, but the key reason I want to talk about it, so this is a game called Mighty Gunvolt Burst, which is on the Switch and originally came out, I think it was on uh, Steam and the 3DS. And so this was created by uh, uh, Inti Creates. And as I said, they uh, made Mega Man 9 and Mega Man 10. And Mega Man 9 is uh, like the, the kind of best sort of getting that nostalgic feel of like the original Mega Man games. And they do a great job of it, excellent level design, good bosses, blah 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 blah. So Mighty Number no. Nine came out last year and uh was terrible. Um like not even with any kind of redeeming qualities, just bland, dull, boring visuals, half-baked ideas, clearly not a finished products, clearly trying to just get it out there to try and make good on the fact that it was a uh, I think it was, a, was it, I think it was a Kickstarter uh, campaign they made like three million dollars off of it and just even as of like last week there's so many issues with that game and so and that was by one of the original designers of Mega Man um, so here comes along this studio that weren't part of that original um, team and as we're probably going to see with like this new Sonic Mania game which you know, by all counts looks like it's gonna be pretty good. Um, sometimes it's just best to let someone else take a property and, and put their spin on it because you clearly don't know what you're doing anymore. And Mighty Gun Vault Burst is by no means like a great side scrolling shooty type platformer, but it has all of the basics down, um and is just it's fundamentally sound. And it just it blew my mind that um this team had three million dollars to make a spiritual successor to Mega Man, with one of the original designers, and couldn't get the basics down in terms of boss design, level design, sound, any of that. And uh, it just—I—I I find it quite amazing. And uh, anyone that is like a fan of the original Mega Man games or even the the X games, if you were really burnt by what Mighty Number no. Nine offered or didn't offer um this is a a a perfectly suitable um not replacement but like if you're looking for a new version of that game it does all of that you know it 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 follows the exact same template and it has a non-tentacle storyline that you can avoid but the, the the movement feels good the shooting feels good it does some kind of Instead of having, like, okay, you've defeated this boss and you now have their weapon that you can use against another boss, it has that, but then you have a lot more uh, customization in terms of how many bullets you can fire. Um, do you want to have, like, an auto-fire? Uh, do you want the, uh, the projectile to be wavy or go in, like, a particular direction? Do you want it to be homing? So it has some drawbacks from that, but it takes it in a different direction, which I do appreciate. Um and yeah, like just I, I i was just playing it thinking how how, how is this better on a budget that probably i don't know specifics, but I'd say you know minimum half of what um this kickstarter uh spiritual successor was meant to be, uh, how does it manage to do that so much better? And, yeah, just it kind of blew my mind. Uh, so, yeah, Mighty Gun Vault Burst is uh, definitely worth looking out if you have a 3DS. It's on PS4, it's on Vita, and it's on Switch. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that game very much seemed like to me. I watched you play about, I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute, and I was like, boy, is this the exact game Mighty Number no. 9 should have been. It is uncanny.
1: Yeah, and I it has, has the lead character from Mighty No. 9 in it. So it's like, I might as well just treat it as that and his yeah, name is yeah. beck so hey
2: is he a loser baby <laughs> they're all
1: lo- i mean i'm the biggest loser for fucking playing it
2: true enough and on that note but Into what are news. you even doing if you're a loser for playing a video game like why are we even talking about
0: them? <laughs> fair news
2: news on the map!
0: Player Unknown Battlegrounds, guys. Um, this is a game that has just taken over the the, the PC gaming community
1: this year. The
2: Eric Bischoff of uh, you know.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Expand. Never mind. No, you 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 have brought this forward. <laughs> Go on, I'm waiting. I think I'm sorry, let let me try this. The blue meanie of video games.
2: (laughs) The Danny Doring. What what are you going with here? I was uh never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You're right there, Dave. I'm done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just end the show, series finale.
2: <laughs> oh, that was I, amazing! Uh, yeah, oh, that I was would.
0: the bar for non-sequiturs has been raised to the sky, my friend. um Player nuns battlegrounds. <laughs> it now holds the record for the highest peak player count of any non-valve game on steam player tweeted the news uh with screenshots showing player known battlegrounds sitting uh, third uh sitting third in steam's overall peak players rating so the peak players uh, number 1 is dota 2 with 1,291,000 then counter strike go which is 850,000 and then PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds, with peak players of 481,291, set in July 2017. Uh, this game is pretty fucking incredible. I really, really desperately want to play PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, I don't know about... Well, I know about Mark, but I don't know about you, Jack. Uh, I have gotten myself into a a, a hole of watching... People play this game a lot this year. Where, where are you at with your knowledge of player knowns battlegrounds?
2: Uh, about the same level as I was. I was trying to attribute that quote in my head a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's what definitely in terms of um, like watching it. It's it's the the equivalent of what Hitman was last year in terms of. It's a very streamable game. It's a very it's a very easy yeah. game to just watch other people play because the the scenarios the circumstances the, the events that can happen uh from game to game uh, are are wild and crazy and uh yeah, yeah i i do want to play it not that it's going to happen anytime soon but i'm just as happy if i never play it and just watch other people play it as well because the idea of trying to do like a solo run on that just seems far too fucking stressful
0: yeah that's the thing it wouldn't be just that i'd, I'd want to play it i'd want to have mates and play because every time i've seen it where it's been incredibly fun it streams where it's like three or four people on a voice chat uh together uh playing as a team and and coming up with strategies to try and win that that, that chicken dinner at the end of it um it is definitely like it. I have watched more player unknowns battlegrounds than I have played some games that came out in 2017. So that should tell you how addicting it is, even when you're not playing it yourself. Um, but fair play to player unknown, uh, an Irishman himself, uh, for achieving that. Uh, Pokemon Go, a subject close to the heart of one Jack Lazelle here. Uh, the the developer of Pokemon Go, Niantic, has postponed European events after the fiasco that was the Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago. Um, Jack, do you still play Pokemon Go,
2: or did no, you off it? No.
0: But how how long did you stick around with it?
2: Uh, I don't know, a couple of months, and then I was just like, ah, oh, uh, just I, I I lost it. It's it, there's only so far you can go with it. Like you catch Pokemon. Great, Uh, and then you just got to keep catching the same old busted Pokemon, uh, and to get to get a level up and stuff. And you don't really train, and the battle system wasn't really any good. And I know they've made a lot of changes now, but I just I don't know. I feel too far removed from it to to dive back in. Yeah, but it's
0: kind of like they bolted the stable after the horse, or they've they fixed the stable after the horse is already bolted. Um, I um, would you have? uh, I saw what happened
2: in Chicago, though. Yeah, and wow. <laughs> it was uh, one of the genuinely the most awkward things I've ever seen in my life. It was like that. It, what was that festival
0: where things went Lord of the Flies, the real exclusive festival where everyone got oh,
2: stuck? What, yeah. um, no, <laughs> was it Fire? It was Fire Festival with a yeah, uh, Y F Y R E. Yeah, yeah. And they were in like, um, they were in tents that had been given to like the Haitian aid effort a few years ago <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, that was it. I I just it felt like a very video game version of that. All the stuff I was hearing coming out of Chicago that weekend, it was it was quite spectacular. As a, a Pokemon Go uh, former player, if they had started doing events like this and striking while the iron was hot and updating things the way they have now, because they've introduced, they've redone. I, I'm not sure of the details on that, but I know they've redone how gym battles work. And redesigned how the gyms look and as well they have started introducing raids for legendary Pokemon as well. Uh do those sound like things that if they had gotten their fucking act together and done this like late last year when people started to fall off at big time, that you might still be playing it now or at least kind of open it every now and then?
2: Um, sure. I think I probably would have stuck around for a little bit longer. But like it was there was a mania to it uh in in how much i was actually playing it like i would go to like holland park after work which is just a few stops down from where i work and like hang out there for like an hour hour and a half and just play in there and there was just like i literally hundreds and hundreds of people just walking around and like if there was something particularly rare someone would be like yo there's a nita king over here bruv and you would go over and you would catch a nita king and everyone would be happy and it brought joy to people for a for a month or two dave so it was a really positive social experiment if yeah absolutely uh but yeah it's it's kind of dead and yeah i i i really implore everybody to go and watch that chicago thing on stage because there is a young lady <laughs> presenting it who is working harder than potentially any presenter i've ever seen uh, to try and get like positive responses out of the crowd uh they brought did you see the bit they brought john Hankey on stage and he just got absolutely <laughs> ruined <laughs> by the crowd chance so what- of fix your game Booing, and oh, it was just awful. And it is kind of unfortunately the legacy of Pokemon Go, really, isn't it? That it just is like at times when they've got to a point where it looks like they're doing something great, everything just breaks. I, I feel uh, like
1: they just constantly aren't aware of how big the game got originally and continues to be now. Uh, certainly when they do, like, because here's the thing when you have. Um, Like concentrate, because we spoke about this last week. When you have concentrated areas of like, okay, everyone's going to be here and trying to get online, like you need to be able to have enough servers and enough just firepower underneath the bonnet to keep things stable. And it just seems constantly that they just don't have that um and you'd think that after a while they'd have figured this shit out and you know by no means are we experts in that field and obviously it's it's a complete minefield but it's been a year now uh and it is kind of amazing that shit like this continues to keep happening um and like i thought that after um the first week of Pokemon Go being on fire that everyone would tune out, and that's clearly not the case, certainly by looking at my Twitter feed, which, all right, fair enough, is a bit of an echo chamber, but, you know, people are still giving it a chance, and with, like, the legendaries and stuff, that that is going to bring some people back, and the the ability to catch Moltres, and Mewtwo, and, and whatever else, like, that will keep bringing people back, but I still wonder, at some point, there has to be a, a, a breaking point for, for the majority of people, Um and I wonder what it is.
0: I think one of the things that uh, really annoyed me about it at the time, and something that like uh, Nintendo's partners at DNA still haven't um, copped onto, just based on looking at the um, the Nintendo Switch app that was launched a couple of weeks ago, uh, is this idea that the the app won't work unless the phone is unlocked and the screen is on. Yeah. Constantly. So like you have some eggs, you get a Pokemon egg and Pokemon Go and you need to walk X amount of kilometers to get the egg to hatch. But if the screen goes off on your phone, then it doesn't count. It's and... an
1: astonishingly bad piece of game design or just yeah, and you, practical you don't... technology design like something as simple
0: as being able to get like a push notification on your phone when the screen is unlocked saying that there were wild Pokemon nearby, I think would have helped immensely and keeping the pedometer um, working while the screen is off as well would have helped a long way. And that's why I was amazed when this Nintendo switch app came along and you can only use the chat on it or any feature on it while the phone is unlocked and on all the time. And like it just led to this phase you remember there was a brief while where like games retailers were selling off like uh backup batteries that were kind of aimed at the pokemon go community because batteries were just being destroyed by this game it just yeah like, they sell- were
2: so people used to carry um and, and i witnessed it like from being in and around the parks of london and it's probably one of the only times you could say that and it not be super creepy <laughs> uh but people would carry like these massive like brick type black things that had multiple ports in and they'd be like yeah i've got like eight full phone chargers worth of power in here and at that point you're just like what, what are we doing here like what, yeah. what what is going on here again mark what are we doing here talking about um, video games it's <laughs> yeah, well it's 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 more like like the
0: just that there are such basic design flaws going on with this game that are completely baffling to me That, the, the that most, still persist. but yeah. like if, if this had been a proper game and like you said if you could properly train Pokemon Jack in, in some way with like mini games and things like that like you know you have those in, in Pokemon Sun and Moon you have those little mini games where you treat your Pokemon you give them a, a jelly bean or you, you kind of brush the dirt out of their hair like if you would put that kind of stuff in to kind of train your Pokemon up or like get them involved in solo bat and things like that it would have been one thing but like coming it really is putting the cart after the horse like a, a year and change later going oh yeah we should probably do some stuff uh, and improve this and make it an actual game
2: yeah just it's, kinda... it's it's one of the it's probably one of the great missed opportunity stories of all time in video games i think pokemon go what it what it was and what it actually could have been uh just to really like it's it's a sad tale i think
0: yeah yeah that's for sure if you are a playstation plus customer you have probably received an email recently announcing a price hike um if you're living in europe um email sent to subscribers this morning this is from the 28th of july uh from eurogamer and verify be your gamer confirm the change of prices that goes into effect on the 31st of august 2017 in the uk the annual price for playstation plus goes up by 25 percent, from 39.99 to 49.99 the quarterly price goes from 14.99 to 19.99 and the monthly price goes up from 5.99 to 6.99 i believe in the Eurozone it's going from 50 euro a year to 60. Uh, I think is the is the change there. Sony said it will automatically alter the price of a, P- of a plus membership from the 31st of August. So if you're an existing member, all recurring subscription fees payable by you on or after the 31st of August will be charged at the new price. This also means that up until the 31st of August, you can buy a subscription at the current price, which will be stacked onto the end of your current membership period. Guys, uh, a tenner or so is worth of an increase to the PlayStation Plus service. Uh do you feel that that is a, a fair increase how, how you're both playstation 4 users do you feel like you've been getting your money's worth from playstation plus what's what what what's the temperature check here in the room i mean uh, like, we'll go to mark yeah
1: i was gonna say like i mean games wise what you get a month um it can be hit and miss but Ooh, i mean it's uh, a lot in the
0: in the last year it's been i kind of the last couple of months have been pretty good but there was a lot of miss
1: yeah and I mean, hey, look, we can't have knack every month, so you're gonna get some guff <laughs> in there. That's just the way it is. Um I mean it does have its uses, like um when you have the like we just have the summer deals and then you have the PS plus deals on top of that and the way they Yeah, stack. you get a double discount. Yeah, like you you can't complain about that is I mean a lot of people their immediate response was, Okay, well I mean that's great and all, but I still can't change my name. Uh, that yeah. that seems to be the kicker every single time in anything about um, Sony and the the PS Store. Um, it, it's going to happen, you know. Servers are not cheap to run. Um, yeah, I think that's the bottom line. Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it, people going to complain, and fair enough, it's it's a price increase, but it's just it's just the way things are.
0: Jack, are you much of a, a participant in the the free games you get on PlayStation Plus? Have you been satisfied or not with their
2: service? Um, every now and then, but it's kind of, one of those things that you 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 know is an option, but you just like sometimes you just kind of ignore and not necessarily on purpose, just yeah, it's just because I'm just not not really there's nothing in there that ever really piques my interest that much, so.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think um, one thing that really took the air out of the sales of PlayStation Plus was was last year when uh, Xbox announced that they were doing the backwards compatible stuff. And every month you'd not only get an Xbox One game uh, or two Xbox One games in your month with games with gold, but you'd also get two backwards compatible games.
1: Honestly, if they, if they had, if Sony had said, right, we're increasing it by 10 pounds, euros, whatever, but we're going to bulk, we're going to stack PlayStation now on top of that. I don't think you would have heard a single person complain.
0: Oh no, you absolutely wouldn't. Um, that's for sure. The the fact that I I think that's people's quandary is that the price is going up, but they're not adding to the the things you get with the service without kind of taking into. A, a, account that you know stuff costs money and licensing yeah. these games like you know making agreements with these studios to put a game on playstation plus costs money as well And hopefully down the line this leads to kind of an improved quality because like i said some of these months are definitely more missed than hit uh, i think this month is pretty good because we've got um just cause three which is just a fun explosiony time and we've got uh Downwell as well in there which i am pleased to report to you mark is in fact cross-platform
1: is it what, between PS4 and beta? Yep. Ooh, yep. yay, I'm getting that then. I like that I, well, I
0: checked it, they, they went up today, so um, I, I, I had a look there, and it does download to my system, so it must be uh, cross-platform. Um, just as a matter of interest, uh, favourite game you've gotten on PS Plus so far, guys?
2: Jack, do you have one in particular, or? Um, I I, I th- uh, well, couldn't tell you. Probably, um, probably what a little bit. Is. Probably Little Big Planet uh, three. I think I got a one point for free. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was that was about four or five months ago. I think. Um. The that, um
1: yeah. That's the whimsy. Um, the answer is Rocket League, and the answer will always yeah. be Rocket League.
2: <laughs> What's Rocket League? Uh, you see, I just bought Rocket League. So yeah, it so
1: originally came out on PS Plus,
2: and then this is yeah, this is what I find difficult with this is that all of the games that were ever on PS Plus that I kind of wanted, I just bought. So, yeah.
0: What was the name of that? Um, the house mark game that was available at launch. Like, oh, I'm fucking completely blanking on it. The awesome shoot 'em up, Resogun.
2: Resogun.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, like that. That might be my favorite. Uh, seeing as you've already said Rocket League,
1: I I do think as well. Try I get mean, something a bit different. I, I can see how some people might complain because, like, when PS Plus came along, or well, certainly when I got uh when I first signed up for it on the PS3, because by that point they had a good few years of back catalogue stuff, like the first month that I got it, I got like fucking DMC Devil May Cry, uh, which is just a phenomenal game from the last generation so I can yeah. see how some people uh, are, have got complaints that, well we're not getting any kind of PS4 exclusives, like well it's just, it's not as simple as that um, so yeah, there's still issues with um, with PS Plus, but it's not as as egregious as i think some people make it out to be uh no certainly not
0: uh if you pre-order pro evolution soccer this year um because apparently konami still make video games who knew um you get an interesting pre-order bonus you get to unlock usain bolt as a
1: playable footballer (laughs) in this game
2: (laughs) of course you do well that makes total sense
1: uh look (laughs) fucking all games of this nature are doing it now i mean you look at the uh, the WWE 2K series, pre-order and get... I think, is it pre-order and get... Was it last year you pre order and you got Kurt Angle? or
0: No, this year is Kurt Angle.
1: Oh, wait, you pre order and you get him, okay. Um, uh,
2: you mean Jason Jordan's dad? No Jason Jordan's said, that's Kurt right, Kurt yeah, yeah. It's just um, a GM, so... Yeah, it's, and all games will <laughs> be, doing this.
1: We'll be doing this going forward. I guarantee you there'll be at least one yeah. uh, nonsense player character whatever yeah well, like, well if this FIFA, if, if this had happened FIFA 20 had years been... ago or 15 years ago you'd have to have pre-ordered to get fred Durst as a playable character and just bring it that's just yeah. the way it is
2: yeah um i think ufc I think that was a playable character in in a couple of games wasn't he was in, was he a tony hawk game as well at one point i don't know
1: i know was it little wayne was
0: little wayne was in tony hawks 5 but the less said about that the
2: better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just not go there please <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: but yeah i think that in this generation the, the first agree the first egregious use of that was the the pre-order character for the ufc game was bruce lee for the first one mike tyson for the second one i know the xbox version of fifa for the last number of years has had some sort of legendary player uh for uh ultimate team as a pre-order bonus, and this year that deal has gone over to the PlayStation. So if you get the the kind of uh, either the, the mid-priced version or the high-priced version uh, of FIFA at launch, if you've pre-ordered it, you get the original Ronaldo for Ultimate Team, uh, which doesn't really matter to me. I, I love the original Ronaldo, but I don't really like Ultimate Team. I'm the outlier in terms of FIFA players. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right, Mark. I think this kind of like... Introducing things like this to kind of pop a headline, get people going, oh, maybe I, maybe I should pre-order Pro Evo. You have a laugh to have Usain Bolt. Uh, and then maybe kind of by Christmas or January going, okay, well, here he is to buy from the store separately for a fiver or something like that. You know, like they do with Smash Brothers characters or what have you.
1: Yeah. And like, um,
0: I mean, it's probably the, more the way com- things are going.
1: Mortal Kombat was, uh, well, all the, the Never Own games are kind of insane yeah. for that at this point. And but- Justice
0: 2 has Sub-Zero.
1: Yeah, but hey, look, if people are buying them, I mean, there must be a reason they keep doing it, so more power to them yeah well
0: I'm, I'm definitely like as far as pre-order stuff goes it's it's the, these are kind of things that are cosmetic and don't really unbalance a game so oh, I'm kind of fine that. with that yeah, so, make- I, you know because I don't feel like I'm missing out on a part of the game that was carved out uh, as a pre-order bonus and I don't feel like people who pay more for the game than me at launch are getting some sort of unfair competitive advantage so uh, like if you're going to do a pre-order bonus I- I'm cool with it being cosmetic stuff and then leaving it up to the, the consumer whether it's Something they want to get into or not?
2: Yep, that's uh, that's yep, pretty much. The important question for me is, what position is you saying Paul playing? I would I would have to say uh,
0: uh, as the, the the football correspondents on this show, Jack, that 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 would be our job to kind of figure that shit out. I my guess would be a winger.
2: I don't I, I don't know, man. I see him as like a centre forward. I like, do, I do what... a full troll job and just put him in goal. Ah, uh, that would be great. Like he's a hundred pace or something, like the highest <laughs> pace rating.
0: But he's a goalkeeper. Oh, you would send him up for every corner with that.
2: Absolutely. No, you bring the you ever do the the old piss take thing of when you used to play FIFA when you were a kid of like yeah. if you're beating someone four <laughs> or five nil, you just go on a maze up run with your goalkeeper just to mm-hmm. be an absolute dick.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, you would do that. You'd you'd be like Neuer in his pomp, just running up to the halfway line whenever you can with him. Um, Next up, a a story that Jack brought to my attention today, and I'm going to shoot to him straight away with this. Uh, Rockstar are being sued over a character from Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, which came (laughs) out 15 years ago. Uh, Jack, you you saw this story today in work and popped big for it. Give us a kind of... uh, uh, a, a summary of what the fuck is going on here because it's not the first uh, time someone has brought a, a lawsuit for image rights
2: against lawsuit, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yep, yeah, at least that was contextual. So, like Lindsay Lohan, probably somebody just went, Hey, Lindsay, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto and you're basically in it. And she was probably like, What? No, really? she was probably, no, no, Jack, she was probably like, What? <laughs> 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 What, she's just got like a really bad cold or yeah 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 absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad for that because that was quite, so quite libelous <laughs> yeah that that's that's harsh, man. she's just trying to get her shit together you What's know she just she's just another victim to this crazy celebrity culture, you know she's just trying to get <laughs> that being morning harsh. buzz.
0: Yeah, I still think, like, when, when I saw the, uh, I saw a headline, the first time I saw the headline about the Lindsay Lohan ro- l- lawsuit, I, I saw there was the picture of the character from GTA Sandra, uh, GTA 5, and it said, oh, Rockstar being sued over likeness rights. And I assumed, because I think that the, the cartoon, like, the at least the cartoon drawing of that person looks a lot more like the likes of Kate Upton than Lindsay Lohan. And I thought that's who yeah. it was going to be. I was like, I don't see Lindsay Lohan there at all, apart from the fact that the character is a bit of a train wreck.
2: I think it's more of a a, a sort of like celebrity lampooning of kind of young actresses. And, yeah. and I think what it's a it kind of, yeah, yeah, like it, there's elements of Kardashian in there. There's elements of like uh, Paris Hilton in there, you know, all yeah, of it's, those. It's not like
1: GTA haven't been doing that for the last 15 odd years or so.
0: And for those of you with the link to the cast bingo card, yes, it took 76 episodes for you to cross off Paris Hilton reference on the show.
1: Oh, we did that a couple, I'm pretty sure we did that a couple of weeks ago.
0: I think well, that was anyway. the, the, the Turok stream.
1: Are, yeah, we, yeah, it was a stream, sorry. Yeah, not, not on the podcast.
2: If anyone was going to do it, it was going to be me, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The king of tangents.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so I have actually tangented myself out of this. Um, so, yeah, there was there's a company that was responsible, like a production company that was responsible for a psychic on TV. And apparently the psychic in the game, the hilariously named auntie Poulet, um which is chicken in French for all of you, uh, non French speaking uh, people out there. She was like an old Haitian lady who gave, uh, gave tea to-, to Tommy. And, and then it was Tommy's job to go and carry out because he was, he was beefing, with the uh, with the Haitians at the time but yeah she would give him like this hallucinogenic tea and he would go and do stuff for them um yeah and she was kind of like weird mysterious and she would read your future and stuff uh, and yeah he, uh, he he would go out and do stuff and for some reason like obviously she has an element of this character like she dresses in yellow the 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 woman who works for the company. Dresses very similarly as well, but to say it would be a frivolous lawsuit is, you know, kind of being fair at, at the most. And I think their response to like, why didn't you realize this 15 years ago when it came out, was just like, me, well, to, to me, if I it, was the, Gwania, yeah, sorry. Well, no, their their um their excuse for that was that apparently because they've been making so much more money off it recently and re-releasing it on loads of different consoles they felt like it was their time to 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 put a stop strike. to it yeah strike while the iron is stone cold as as, as 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 if they hadn't made the bulk of the money that they were going to make off it at the time before then so yeah
0: to me, if I was the the judge in this case, I would look at this lawsuit and say, I do not believe that that you uh, are are doing this in in good faith. Because if you TV psychic actually believed this, you would have pressed the lawsuit two years before the game came out, because you would have seen this coming. So yeah, you know
1: what I do? I say, if you can get through and play GTA Vice City in under two hours, you win the case. <laughs>
0: the- the judges are so I say to you, the accused, I'm thinking of a number between <laughs> one and ten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. This is Well that yet. was it. Like you, you went on there and there was loads of comments of like, Oh, didn't you see this coming? Ha yeah. ha, ha, ha 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 It's and almost so, like T V psychics is a fucking racket. Dave. Literally, mate. I don't know why you have to be so hard on the TV psychics. Cause clearly they are on the level in every possible way.
0: Mark, your thoughts, your thoughts.
2: Nah,
1: you've, you've said it
2: all.
0: <laughs> uh, Overcooked we- is a game that uh, Mark is a big fan of. Um well, no, not really.
1: It's a game I just really want well, to play. You're,
0: yeah, you're a big fan of the idea of, and it definitely looks fun, and I've seen a lot of Let's Plays where people are having a great time with it, and I would like to play it myself. And we thought to ourselves last week on the show, Mark, that this game is coming out on the Switch. Uh, it came out last Friday, I think, and we we thought, oh, exciting. Yeah, we we both have Switches now. This is this seems like a cool game to put on the Switch because you can play multiplayer with the Joy-Cons. Um Apparently, it didn't all go to plan. Um,
1: no, it's uh, apparently suffering from a, a, a number of uh, performance issues, uh, which were not prevalent in other builds of the game. So, I know mm. there was an, a press uh, a release today saying from the developers saying that they are aware of these issues. I mean, you would be if you played the game, <laughs> um, and that they are planning on fixing them. So, that's good. That it, it's good to hear. That I mean, it's it's kind of a common thing now where, again, gets released, it has some issues, within a week or so developers, the developers have seen it and and resolved it, and I kind of figured that would be the case here. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. There's not too much to it. Um, I just hope it's it's resolved relatively quickly, because I would like to get it, because it's 20 quid, um, which I think is a pretty decent price. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I didn't get a chance to play it last year, and I'd really like to give it a go this time around, and I think the Switch is a really good platform for it
0: absolutely um I, it's mad that like the game the details here from from Eurogamer say that the game is shooting for uh 30 frames per second but digital foundry couldn't find really an extended period of time in the game where it was able to hold close to 30 and it was batting around more kind of like 23 24 frames per second and i think we've said before on the show mark we are no kind of frame rate purists we don't really know what's going on most of the time such heathens we are uh, but I think even the to the untrained eye, um, when the frame rate starts dropping and then going up, when, it, when it's moving around, that's when everybody notices. Um, and this is kind of, you really need your frame rate locked or as close to locked as possible uh, with this kind of situation. It's yeah, very it, disappointing. It, it
1: kind of does depend on the game as well. Like if you're playing something like, because there, there were a lot of times with, um, say, Firewatch that had those kind of performance issues. But it's not a kind of Twitch-based type of game where it's affecting the gameplay. It it kind of breaks the immersion, don't get me wrong. Um, And even, like, there's been a few times with Breath of the Wild where if I turn the camera around, like, I think just the the combination of the grass and the wind or whatever, something is causing it, and it kind of shutters a little bit. But, you know, that isn't too much of uh, an issue. But we sound like Overcooked, which is very much that kind of fast-paced style of gameplay. Uh, that's where it it really does become apparent and can affect gameplay uh, which is a big no-no
0: If you have not turned on your Nintendo Switch in a couple of days, there is a new firmware upgrade waiting for you uh, and one that you probably should download because it fixes a recently introduced bug which uh, affects your battery charge indicator. Uh, According to Nintendo Life, the issue had stopped the Switch's on-screen charge indicator from updating correctly, disappearing or not updating during charging, showing 0% charge while the device was still operational. The bug may still occur even after the update, however, in some cases. And this is the reason I put in this story, because uh, Nintendo has a list of instructions for you. And my God, gentlemen, let me run you through this. This is the most Nintendo response to like the most kind of circuitous route to trying to fix a, a like a bug like this. The manual fix involves charging your switch fully and keeping it still plugged in at 100% battery for one more hour. Then disconnect the power cable and let the switch almost drain of power while waiting on the home menu. When the battery is about to die, you should turn off your console manually and then leave it alone for 30 minutes. Then repeat the charging and draining process up to six more times. <laughs> Until the issue is resolved. What? the battery charge indicator should become more accurate each time you complete the process.
1: I'm sorry, for that kind of process, you should be giving me a switch.
0: <laughs> that is astonishing. Have either of you noticed bugs with this with the switch with the I, I noticed the the battery thing happening to me once where I had it docked for ages and I, I took it out and it was only at about 60% but that it only happened once ever.
1: I mean I've only had it for 2 weeks so I haven't noticed yeah. anything. Um
0: You've had it nearly as long as I have, Jack. How, have you experienced any bugs, any weirdness with your switch hardware?
2: Not not really to be honest. Um no. Just yeah, it's been but, working fine.
1: I mean I wonder cuz yeah. cuz obviously I've got um uh, I I well I don't know if it's a newer model but obviously it's come out a couple of months after release so I'm wondering I mean I haven't had any issues with like syncing or anything like that
0: yeah well Um, I I know that the 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 firmware is what fixed that there was a firmware update that was pushed down that now like even though mine was a, a launch day switch I don't have the desync problem anymore yeah um so I, I, I think maybe it's a case that yours out of the box might have had the one point whatever firmware that that fixed that. But yeah, I, I haven't had much of an issue really with like apart from the desync for the first couple of weeks. But because I got the, the pro controller with it at the time, which has an ungodly level of charge in it, uh, I never really have had any sort of technical hitches apart from like you mentioned there. um mark the, the the odd frame rate issue in zelda when it's in tv mode which curiously you can be in the same wooded areas in handheld mode and because of the the performance is knocked down a bit you don't actually get the frame rate jitter there which is uh unusual our final story for this week is uh playing right into mark's alley mark how excited are you for multiplayer in stardew valley or the potential uh,
1: look I, I just don't know where i'm gonna put another 200 hours into that fucking game um i'm, <laughs> I'm really worried about
0: Comment to switch buddy
1: oh man i mean i know i'm gonna get it um yeah yeah (laughs) i'm I'm really curious to see how multiplayer is going to work in a game like that um and just to see kind of other like tangents if if they've added more uh like options in terms of conversation and more options in terms of who you can marry and all that kind of stuff and if they add any more items and elements and blah 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 uh, yeah, I've I've not actually read up too much about it because I need to. I feel like I need to keep the game at arm's length until I'm fully ready to fully embrace it and lose another two hundred hours. So, Jack, yeah. Jack, uh, we
0: talked about um, Stardew Valley a fair bit on the the Game of the Year show last year, and had you touched base much with Stardew Valley at that stage?
2: No, um, I I've seen it and stuff, I, but I'm keeping myself away from it. <laughs>
0: you you are wiser than both of us i think
2: it is literally for that reason i don't need to lose an awful lot of my life playing something like that i just think there's way too many could it, good could things it get, that are outside
0: could could it get more difficult for you when it comes onto the switch and you think to yourself the commute to work could get an awful lot more productive if i start a farm
2: <laughs> yeah does it doesn't everybody think that their life is more productive if they start a farm i i often think it but i i assume that's just because i'm irish
0: uh there you go i mean
2: potatoes and such, so, right <laughs> yeah damn right potatoes
0: guinness That's all we're talking about all the time when none of you guys are around yeah that's what i would have thought yeah um the, and where are you hiding the leprechauns by the way oh we'll never tell we'll never tell got it um the news about stardew valley for this week is multiplayer which is coming to stardew valley in an update later this year but will make its console debut on the switch version of the game uh, which i imagine is part of the reason why the switch version of stardew valley has not come out yet even though it was supposed to come out in june i think um one of the things you'll be able to do in the multiplayer mode is that you can marry your friends Um, The plan is that you'll be able to marry your real life pals in the game. The option has yet to be formally confirmed, but publisher Chucklefish has said it is on the cards. A lot of players have requested player to player marriage. It's an idea we like a lot and want to make available as a feature. Player to player marriage won't use the mermaid pendant, but rather an alternative method that requires a similar amount of effort to wooing an NPC. We're still working out what that would be. Um, I, I, I think it's pretty cool. I was reading this story. One of the things I didn't know about that the multiplayer uh, mode is that you're going to be able to have up to four people uh, playing at the same time, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I, I thought, I assumed it would just be two people. I don't know why. Um, but uh, yeah, Stardew Valley. It's uh Goodbye, world. It's a, it's a thing, yeah. If you like going outside and seeing your friends and talking to people, probably not the game for you. But if you're a shut-in like us, it might be the exact game you need. Um, That is going to do it for the news this week. And we're going to move into our book club segment, which is the weekly segment on the show where we talk about an important game from the past that we think you should either look back on if you haven't played it in a while or play for the first time if you missed it at the time. And... This comes to the reason why we have one Jack Lizell on the show is that we're going to talk about a game that uh, I think is close to uh, all three of our hearts, and that is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is an action adventure video game developed by Rockstar North and published by Rockstar Games. It was released on the 26th of October 2004 for PlayStation 2 and on the 7th of June 2005 for Microsoft Windows and Xbox. Uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is played from a third person perspective in an open world environment, allowing the player to interact with the game world at their leisure. The game is set within the fictional US state of San Andreas, which is heavily based on California and Nevada state of San Andreas consists of three metropolitan cities, Los Santos, based on Los Angeles, San Fiero, based on San Francisco, and Las Venturas, based on Las Vegas. The single-player story follows Carl C.J. Johnson, who returns home to Los Santos from Liberty City after his mother's murder. Carl finds his old friends and family in disarray, and over the course of the game, he attempts to re-establish his old gang, clashes with corrupt cops, and gradually unravels the truth behind his mother's murder. The plot is based on multiple real-life events in Los Angeles, including the rivalries between the Bloods, Crips, and Hispanic street gangs, the 1980s crack epidemic, the LAPD Rampart scandal, and the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Gentlemen, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, I said it in the intro to the show, Um, one of the things that characterizes this game is the just monumental scale that this game exists on in terms of size and breadth of things you can do and the ways you can interact with the world. Um, We had seen nothing really like it at the time. Um, on playstation 2 um I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit jack first here and say jack were, were you did you eagerly pick this up uh on launch day on the 26th of october 2004 what's your history with san andreas
2: yeah it was so so eagerly it was unbelievable um so it kind of goes back to playing gta3 for the first time and just having my mind absolutely blown out of the back of my skull that something like that existed because there was nothing like that at the time. There was nothing even resembling an open world that you could just kind of walk around and interact with stuff. And I got, um, GTA vice city, through the through the post on the day that that came Uh, my friend andrew dean slash druman as he was more collectively known he came around uh, and the first thing we did was jump on a motorbike and two minutes to midnight by iron maiden was playing and we rode down a pavement and killed about 50 people and had a great time (laughs) um and then yeah so this came out and I, i i think at that point in my life i was like maybe it's 2004 so i was like 16 and I just I don't think I probably anticipated a game anywhere near as much as I anticipated that one at the time. I, I was so ridiculously excited. I don't know about you guys, uh, Mark. What should you? What's your? Did, did you get this at
0: launch? Was this a come back to after the reception? What's What's your kind of? history?
2: Yeah, with I
1: this I had it at launch. Um, I don't have as many memories of it as i do with the original gta 3 and vice city like certainly out of the three it's the one that i spent the least amount of time with um and i'm not entirely sure even why that is um i do remember playing the game at the time and just feeling jesus fucking hell this game is massive um which is i mean it's seems funny to say that uh considering like the scale of g t a five and you know currently with with breath of the wild, but i do remember um do we, i do remember getting engaged with the completely different setting compared to what g t a three did and what vice it was doing, and the more kind of doesn't say politically charged but the 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 racially charged uh, angle that it took uh which is pretty pretty bold a bold direction for rockstar that they didn't really have to do and i don't think they've um come anywhere close to kind of hitting that particular direction since yeah um it's definitely i think the
0: most it had
2: a black main character like that at the time i mean it it, it shouldn't have been but that at the time was massive like how many video games apart from maybe like 50 cent blood in the sand had a black, had a black main character in their game and, and it wasn't just any game it was the it was the biggest game of all time at that point really yeah. and the most anticipated yeah, I
0: I picked up this game on launch, and in a funny story, it, it was myself and my grandmother queuing outside game at about eight o'clock in the morning, waiting for it to open at
1: nine. I want to know what the conversation was was with you telling her what GTA San Andreas was or could be. Well, the,
0: I think the thing about it, like, because the the news stories were obviously rife at the time about you know the, wow. the things you can do in this game, like since GTA. Even the, definitely since three anyway, but probably since before that, that that it was oh look at the things you can do you can murder prostitutes blah blah blah, blah. um but but you can, you can uh, murder prostitutes in this game apparently, oh <laughs> who knew who knew hang on um, I gotta okay. go see you later guys. <laughs> But uh, apparently, like, because I was relatively mature and not some sort of hoodlum myself and, and some sort of person that my, my grandmother had to worry about being carted back to the house in a, in a Garda car, she trusted me not to be warped by games or movies or anything like that. So I was kind of like the, the age gating on things didn't really apply to me because she was more than happy to to buy me a rated 18s game like the same woman bought me Manhunt. So clearly wasn't worried that I was going to go on some sort of rampage. But I, I picked it up. I bought it because I was in one of the, I think, the first 10 people who were in that particular branch of game. I got the official strategy guide for it as well by being one of the first 10 to pick it up so that that was that was pretty cool and yeah pretty much like similar to you Jack the idea of like sitting down with friends and having these like just iconic moments in my 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 gaming life shall we say on this game like i don't think anything uh, there's very few moments that compare to that just rush of adrenaline the first time you take off in a fighter jet in that game and you've got something like cult of personality blaring uh, out of radio x and just feeling like this 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 is what I like video games being I want to do this forever and even like a lot it's one of those games where an early example of it where a, a, for me anyway uh, a long time after I had beaten the the critical path the main story of this game I was still just like not starting the game again not doing a, like you know you would do new game plus in an RPG or something like that like just booting up the game with my save where I've already completed the game and whiling away the hours just creating mayhem yeah. and
2: I earning- used to do the same yeah. thing, just dicking around. And most of it involved the fighter jet as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like how high can I I I fly in this fighter jet and then just bail out and pull my parachute at the last possible second? Things like that. Just the kind of the mad stuff you could do, um, I, like it, because it's so massive, it, it's hard to to see where where to tackle this game. Uh, Mark, you touched upon the how it's uh, an interesting kind of uh, political hot take. Like the games as a series, GTA is known for kind of uh, lampooning or at least referencing kind of hot button political or social issues. But as you said, no more no more has it been evident than in in San Andreas because. I think unlike like a lot of the the kind of the the the, the themes of corruption and and selfishness and and things from the eighties were touched upon in in Vice City, but you know we were a couple of decades removed from the uh, the, the kind of the the, the worst of the eighties and. But San Andreas, I think the the wounds of kind of uh, simmering racial tension uh, in the states and elsewhere had not really gone away, which made this an, an even more contentious game uh, for some people. Jack, what was your take on the time? Because we were all it 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 bears repeating we were all teenagers when this game came out, and this may be the the most in depth to that point in our lives we
2: had gotten with racial uh, tension and
0: politics in the United States.
2: So yeah, it was a it's a very difficult time, uh, sort of late '80s, early '90s, uh, in in California, Los Angeles in particular. Between like, there was uh, the whole Rodney King incident, which was a a bunch of cops uh, beating a, a black driver who just kind of was escorted out of his vehicle that they chased and hadn't done anything, but there was the film that had leaked out of him being beaten down and then they didn't suffer any consequence for that. They just kind of got away with it. And there was like a real racial it tension. never happened
0: again since.
2: No, everything else has been great since, hasn't it? In America, they've got it spot on. But yeah, there was a kind of racial tension. There was like a massive explosion of like kind of gang culture. But then it, it led to a lot of positives, you know, it led to the kind of social Change that that, that came uh, that slowly sort of started to come out, and it led towards like kind of West Coast gangster rap. It, it led to uh, NWA, it led to Tupac, it led to Suge Knight, unfortunately. So, like, you had a whole massive Kind of cultural and social explosion, and they try to capture it here in this game with the the kind of gang interactions being like crips and bloods, and yeah. you know they they have the music all in the game as well and the, and the culture and the, it was just yeah it it was it was a really nice snapshot of culture in the way that Vice City captured like a lot of the excess of the eighties with the like electronic music and the metal and stuff. This this was perfect. Uh, so it had the, the music and everything tied into it and it had the culture and stuff. So, yeah, I, I was incredibly impressed with what they achieved with, with this game in terms of the, the snapshot of the time period. Uh,
0: Mark I I feel like this was a real uh, milestone for for Rockstar and and, uh, Western games in general I think in getting you to invest time and character and sorry time and effort into relating to a character and shaping who that character would be there's a lot of things you can do uh, with CJ in this game that I had not been exposed to you being able to do like because a a lot of games at this point you can change very surface level things with a character you can change the, the clothes they wear and things like this. But like you can change their 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 level of kind of sex appeal, you can change their 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 level of, of gang loyalty. You can physically change CJ not just with haircuts and tattoos, but the amount that you like the frequency at which you go to fast food outlets, he will become obese eventually, or if you go to the gym a lot, he will uh he will physically become more kind of ripped and athletic in in front of your eyes um and then kind of uh yeah just a just a broad range of things you can do like uh one of the things i really enjoy is the the gang wars that the turf wars you can do to take over more territories in that game which is a thing I, I hadn't really done much of that kind of like territory control to that point talk to me about the like the, the breadth of things you can do to make your own kind of version of cj in this game did that stand out to you
1: yeah i certainly um up to that point it it's an open world game but it was like the closest they'd come to making almost like an RPG game, or at least a game with RPG yeah. mechanics, uh, in terms of really taking the character of CJ and making him your his own, which is interesting as well. Because like CJ, as a character, is clearly the most fleshed out and defined character they'd made by that point. Because mm. um, I can never remember what the guy's name in GTA Three is, but he's pretty much just a blank slate.
2: He doesn't. He doesn't have a name. Well, uh, that's he, the
1: point i think he does have a name i think he it's not obviously he's never mentioned but i, I think he does but anyway um like he's pretty much just a, a kind of cloud like, he knew, I, I knew he, uh, had, yeah. he had one name like Cher or ronaldo yeah and like to, to, <laughs> or mclovin and like to, tommy Vazetti is basically just scarface but maybe tone down just a little bit or it takes elements of Scarface at least anyway it takes, he's he's
0: he's three or four different 80s uh, anti-heroes in one
1: sure but with CJ it's like it's it's adding a little bit more of kind of realism because of the in some ways politically charged nature of uh, elements of, of the story um and it's it's impressive that they managed to kind of bring both the level of um character that they add to the main protagonist but also increase the level of kind of creativity and customization you can do with him um and i definitely remember at the time being uh, just intrigued by this new way of of taking this character and and doing so much more to him and you know changing what he wears and his haircuts and i mean none of that is um makes any difference in terms of the character of cj or like is is crucial to the plot in any way but in terms of making giving him like your own kind of personal stamp on him uh certainly was was i mean that's kind of all the range now it's this pretty much a standard game design trope but but for back then um it was yeah it was definitely a, a kind of new thing a new mechanic that i hadn't really explored before or felt that game the game designers had explored jack uh speaking um, of kind of uh, oh no sorry you had a thought there sorry
2: i was just gonna say like they did it was just it was an rpg like it yeah. had an rpg element to it like that is exactly yeah. you were, what you, it was
0: it, it was kind of getting you into the role playing mindset of what would my cj do which is the the yeah. classic uh, tenet of a of an RPG but uh, Jack speaking of uh, things you can do customization and and, and side quests related to that uh, talk to me about the world of romance in san andreas <laughs> which will lead us on to a very controversial detail about this game at the end
2: yeah oh well i was just going to start with that kind of up front but, but t- tell us for for people who aren't aware what
0: what is the romance element that you are able
2: to access <laughs> so um again kind of looking at the rpg element of it you can get into relationships with your main character with cj and depending on how your dates go and the satisfaction level of your uh particular significant other in the situation you can get to go back to their place and then you hear some sounds and some noises and i believe it was called the uh, the hot coffee mode was it not yeah, uh, there was, so there was there was a part of the
0: game's code that was uh, hidden on the disc but locked away um, that was uh, unlocked by a 38-year-old modder from the Netherlands called Patrick Wildenborg. Uh, of who course was going, it was. Who was going online uh, under the moniker of Patrick W., which is a very imperceptibly clever uh, nickname if you don't want people to find out who you are. Uh, this hot coffee mod uh it, it 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 allows you to kind of peek behind the scenes of that alluded to uh those noises um um it's a, it's a sex minigame
2: <laughs> that's it, that's the best way to put
0: it just, it's absolutely just it a sex minigame yeah that's 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 what it is i know a, a fully clothed sex minigame which is odd uh well not all the time but it, it definitely was that uh at some point uh do, do you remember the first time you heard about the, this hot coffee mod gentleman
2: yeah, I I thought it was, um, I thought it was a joke. I didn't think it was real. An and, urban uh, legend. Yeah, I, I, you know how you there's always urban legends in game. Like, oh, you can yeah. make Lara Croft naked on Tomb Raider. No, you can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or or the like. GTA has
0: a long running uh, urban legend of being able to find Sasquatch.
2: Yeah. You can't. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought it was. Like I didn't. Yeah. And you know what? I um I kind of. Like, I heard about it and knew about it. But it wasn't until I watched, and I think, even though Rockstar kind of didn't like it, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the Daniel Radcliffe, uh, like, sort of biopic about what was going on at Rockstar during the time that they were making this game. I still, I still haven't watched that. It's really good, actually. I, I think it's definitely well worth a watch. I if will, you're, I, um, I will try and find that for myself right now. I think you should. Yeah. Um, and it kind of that really clarified to me how the whole situation took place, because at the time they had uh, like this, this guy campaigning against the game because he, he thought everything to do with GTA was like completely hideous in every possible way. Uh, because, you know, sort of Bible Belt in America. And of course, that's how they react to it. And it was also linked to uh shooting uh Incident where a kid who was like 12, 13 years old managed to get hold of a handgun and went into a police station and, and gunned down a couple of police officers and then stole a car and then like drove it into some stuff and, and was arrested and they kind of blamed GTA for influencing him in that way um and the, kind of the last thing that they needed was the negative publicity and they'd left the code and on the disc and yeah they they got picked up by that guy and i think they got in quite a lot of trouble and yeah i didn't realize the um the breadth of that until i watched that documentary which was was yeah. very
0: good it was uh the fact that it was on the game but it, it couldn't be accessed by people who weren't who like weren't in the know uh still forced the esrb to change the rating of the game from mature to adults only which at the time it made san andreas the only mass-released adult uh only get console game in the United States, which is a dubious honor to say the least. But, uh, Mark, what are you? What what are your your takes on J- Jack has said a lot here, and I and and I I. I Sorry, I'd like to get you. No, no, no. I mean, in a good way, like it's just trying to parse out the, the, the most important parts here. Uh, and your, your, the idea that you floated there, Jack, about kind of GTA has been the, the the punching bag for a lot of, oh, it was because of the video games that this happened here. And uh, us being three men who played video games our, our entire life. um you know what what is your take on this uh like because mine has already already been you know like before it was video games people were playing it were blaming television you know they were blaming south park they were blaming Marlon manson uh his are you just basically doing music.
2: the lyrics to the way i am by eminem right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like and before that they were blaming the kind of the, the advent of cable television before that they were you know decrying movies you know the, the was it the dude who shot was it the dude who shot uh john lennon blamed
2: catcher in the rye uh yeah he had a copy of it on him didn't he when he killed him yeah
1: so yeah look that's just the way things will always be i like i'm sure someone will blame the next shootings on fidget spinners it's just it's the way that might be a big string but it's just the way things will always be um because man is choked to death by a fidget spinner people who are outside of the bubble um Will just see like a snapshot of what that thing is, and just make their entire assumption on that. Um, it, and you can't, you cannot change that. You cannot change their perception. Like they are hardwired, and that is their uh, their thoughts and their feelings on that particular thing. Um, and it's obviously it's it's an excuse to not look at what the bigger issue is when there is a gun shooting in America. And this is not the fucking podcast to go into that particular subject um i i don't have the energy to to really go into it because like we are all aware of how nonsensical those claims are and i don't think it's as um rabid today as it was in the late 90s uh, i think that was and i think a lot of that was obviously uh, to do with wh- stuff like columbine
0: yeah i think I think even here when this game came out in the mid 2000s, like Jack kind of rattled off a a list of stuff that was being blamed on on, on, on Grand Theft Auto. Like, I I think even at this point, we were still in the, you know, the... it, It was kind of like, it was starting to trail off a little bit because we, instead of having like a bunch of different poster children for video game violence, like we did in the 90s with Mortal Kombat and the likes, we kind of just had this one big target on Rockstar's back um and they you know sometimes they wouldn't help themselves like i think for a company trying to dodge controversy manhunt mightn't have been the game to release at the time they did um because it is a a a, a snuff film simulator no Uh, but i
1: wonder like how much of that was just like fuck it you know we've got the target on our back just push the buttons as far as we can and you know the the press they got out of that was uh could only have been good things. Could have done good things for them, other than being banned in Australia and whatever else. Um, but you know, I I do think that where we getting to the point where more people are being kind of more reasoned with their discourse when talking about video games, and because huh. of okay, not so much in terms of your fifteen-year-old shithawks on Twitter, but there are people that are kind of bringing forward and saying hey look, look okay sure get you have games like grand theft auto or doom or whatever but you look at where kind of games are going currently where you've got stuff like that dragon cancer or any number of with kind of narratively driven uh walking simulators and stuff and uh, you're gonna have your extreme games or games that simulate violence or blah 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 but there's, there's so much other stuff that's going on that i think is kind of a big melting pot of the video game industry and just how much friggin' money that it makes. I uh, just, you'll have your right wing tea party crack jobs and you're never going to be able to shut them up. But I, I don't think it is as extreme uh, as it has been. Um, what I was going to ask you two is like, just in terms of the the story of GTA San Andreas, like how do you, certainly for you, Dave, because you've been playing it recently, how does it hold up? How does it feel? um the- Certainly compared to like the newer GTA games, what, what are your general thoughts on it?
0: Well, put it this way, I picked up this game,
1: uh like I, I i downloaded
0: it uh when the there was one stage where the PS2 trilogy um of GTA games went on sale on PS4 and I picked up the game, installed it. Um I never really touched it, um apart from I think I did a short let's play of it on the YouTube channel, but I I can't really remember. Um and uh, I, one night uh, when I was house sitting, I, I intended just to pick it up for half an hour. I was waiting on um, food to cook and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is kind of something to to kill time. And I think I can conservatively say, like, it gets its hooks in narratively because obviously it, as a graphical powerhouse, it doesn't necessarily hold up in 2017. And not that much has been done to put a polish on it for the PS4 version. Um but the, the narrative is so strong and ha- I got such hooks in me that I think now in the last couple of weeks, I've put maybe 20 hours plus into it, even though it was only intended as a half hour kind of uh, diversion while, while I waited on, on food to cook. So that's a real testament to, to how strong uh, the story is, is in this. What about you, Jack? Does the,
2: is the story a big part of this game for you? Yeah, I think I think it was pretty cool because, as you mentioned, it kind of incorporated um that little bit of the uh, there's like a massive police scandal in Los Angeles in the early '90s, where it was kind of found found out that like I think 60 or 70 of the police force were, what on the take as it were, and like the the main big bad uh, of of the police force was Officer Tenpenny. He was played by the ever awesome Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was pretty cool that like you were gradually just working your way sort of through the the underworld of uh of, of san andreas to get to the point where you could uh take him down and it and it led to a very cool ending as well
0: absolutely uh jack it's safe to say the two of us are uh somewhat of uh a pair of tv and movie junkies i think i think you would agree with that would you uh yeah uh and just junkies in general it, actually it, in, indeed but less said about that on official you know recorded conversations the better um but one of my favorite things looking back about this game that I wasn't really, uh, maybe because of my youth at the time, um, I didn't understand the full scope of, but the, the cast of this game is is incredible. I'm just going to read out a few names here to you here. The Game, Big Boy, Ice-T, Clifton Collins Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Penn, Peter Fonda, Charlie Murphy, James Woods, David Cross, Danny Dyer... <laughs> Uh, Bill Fickner, Frank Vincent. It's it, hold on a, real... a second.
2: Danny Dyer is in this game. How he sure I... Is. I had literally no idea that that was a thing. Yes, he is Kent Paul. Ah, oh. yeah. Oh, it my... all, it,
0: when you when you hear that, it kind of you 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 jump back and realize.
2: Yeah, and and you can tell that um, Rockstar were a company with their roots in in this country. If they're going to put Danny fucking Tire into a video <laughs> game, no one else is making that call. Cool.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, what were your thoughts on kind of like the 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 pop culture figures and the, the, the kind of the names that, that come into this game and, and branch off as well into talking about the, one of the ever important things about, uh, Grand Theft Auto games. And that is the soundtrack, but, uh, talking about the cast and the soundtrack.
2: Uh, yeah, the cast is awesome. You just have to say those names out loud and it just kind of evokes all the memories of, of, of the different characters that they play And specifically Samuel L. Jackson stuck in my head because it was around that age, Dave, I was sort of 14, 15, 16. I, I had a really bad knee injury when I was 14. My brother bought me, like, essentially a, a, a bag full of DVDs, like a massive sack of DVDs, and he's like, yeah, watch this. And I remember going through and watching, like, Pulp Fiction and all of the Lethal Weapon films, and, like, just kind of dude movies, basically. Jack,
0: Jack. But <laughs> Go <on. laughs> I have to stop you right here You know some white times we have the Vulcan mind meld thing Where we're creepily similar yep. When I was 15 years old at Christmas I broke my ankle and I was laid up For a couple of weeks in bed And my auntie bought me The Quentin Tarantino box set <laughs> And that's where I was exposed
2: To Samuel L. Jackson properly For the first time <laughs> That is terrifying me I'm not going to lie uh, It's pretty bizarre um so yeah so i don't actually have to explain the rest of the story to you then but for for the benefit of everybody else i just remember being like hugely moved by the fact that that he was in the game and and yeah the voice work in this game is really great because i think this is the game where they they really started introducing kind of different characters to the pedestrians like you could go through the game for like a good half an hour and not hear the same sort of repeated dialogue from the pedestrians which you know, it might not sound that impressive now, but in 2004, that was absolutely mind-blowing. Like, everybody was just, you know, about doing their own business. You could chase people for ages, and they just carried on running, you know. Like, they, they didn't disappear where off the screen where they went too far away and, and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. But, yeah, uh, the soundtrack, I mean, it's just it's mint. the the hip-hop um, – like radio station which is i think it's called radio los santos i could be wrong uh and radio x were were the two things that i kind of ride or die with because that period of hip-hop and that period of alternative rock are just absolutely diamonds as as far as the kind of pop culture was at the time so yeah you you can have an awful lot of fun on that There, there is absolutely nothing wrong like cruising around to like Soundgarden and Helmet and stuff just like blaring out of there. Like Cult of Personality as well by Living Carlo And uh, one of my favorite songs that I- I'd never really heard much before this game. And after this game came out, it started getting pop again. And I started seeing video like on MTV2 and Karang as Pretend That We're Dead by L7, which is an absolute tune probably my favourite one on this game in terms of ones that stuck with me that I wasn't aware of before of it, but yeah, um, do you guys have anything to say? Oh, yeah. and I love the classic rock station as well, that yeah. had like Grand Funk Railroad and stuff on it, that was awesome. Was that, was, that, was that K-Dust? It was K-Dust, yeah.
1: Yeah, like the whole of Radio X was kind of designed for me in terms of being like late 90s, early 80s, I mean I constantly just, if if I could find Midlife Crisis by Faith No More, it just that went on straight away and I was good to go. Um, Yeah, I think like the Radio X playlist, like probably in terms of like licensed music, is probably my favorite kind of collection of songs uh, in Uh, any video game. I I I think I'd
0: put it second only to San Andreas. Oh, not San Andreas, sorry, uh, Vice City.
2: Uh, You could make an argument for it, but I mean, considering Vice City is too perfect, though, isn't it? Because that that era of music was probably the best pop music era i think of the last 80 or 40 years um just to just to read out for you mark
0: before you finish your thought there the playlist from radio x which i think is the consensus pick from the three of us the one we will all agree on the most um as being the best one so you've got uh helmets unsung depeche mode personal jesus faith no more midlife crisis danzig mother living color cult of personality primal scream moving on up Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle, L7, Pretend We're Dead, Ozzy Osbourne, Hellraiser, Soundgarden, Rusty Cage, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of, Jane's Addiction, Being Caught Stealing, The Stone Roses, Fool's Gold, Alice in Chains, Them Bones, Stone Temple Pilots, Plush. That is a banger yep. of a playlist. It's
2: I, I, I literally <laughs> do not dislike any of those songs. Like I, 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 and most of them I genuinely love. So... Yeah, it's perfect. As like a nerdy white dude who likes alternative rock, it was pitched directly at me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think there's a fair chance I try to rip off at least half the songs in that soundtrack at some point during my tenure of playing guitar. Um, I also...
0: I got to put in uh, just, a, just a mensch for uh, one of my favourite things in some of these GTA games, and that's the talk radio station. Lesley.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Lesley. <yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> Which is just goddamn incredible um and features like it usually features a couple of um a a couple of people showing up uh recognizable names in san andreas you've got the likes of uh all the greats here andy dick and will whedon showing up (laughs) in uh in in the talk radio and as well speaking of um Speaking of people who uh, show up on radio stations here, a uh, quick shout out to I think it's Bounce FM, the the Funk Station uh, that's hosted by George Clinton.
2: Yeah, George Clinton. I was gonna I was gonna mention that. Yeah, George Clinton's just on there, just hosting as the Funktopus. Yeah, because why not? Yeah, absolutely. I um, you think you found the Funk because I hear it's like some sort of psychedelic sort of ball of tits that squirts like black <laughs> stuff. That's that's oh. what I've heard, Dave
0: and the, the the radio station the 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 hip hop one jack was voice it uh, was chuck d wasn't it yes <laughs> also i appreciate that reference
2: <laughs> i was trying to i was really trying to uh, derail you i must say
0: <laughs> i was i stuck to the course this time my friend um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot to you with a with a, with a couple of more or thoughts before we wrap up this. uh Maybe uh we'll each give a, a couple of our uh, favorite moments, um if that that is possible. Uh, I'll go I'll, I'll go with Mark first. Your your memories are, are the dimmest of the of, of this game. You said of of, of some of the GTA series. So are there any moments that that really stand out to you?
1: um Being able to fly around, um I think, because that was the, I don't remember. I've been in Vice City. Was there helicopters in Vice City? Yeah well it were. There was
0: yeah there there were you, you could fly but before San andreas it was uh much more difficult
1: but I do remember using the parachute and uh, getting a good laugh out of that um just the general kind of feel and vibe of it um, I mean it's it's been a number of years since I've played that you've really made me want to go back and and spend a good few hours with it
0: it's only it's only fifteen euro um.
1: But I think that one of the big things, and as you mentioned, is, is the stellar kind of the the cast and the the level mm-hmm. of voice acting. Uh, you know, there have been a few games by the point that done, pre- had done a pretty solid job in terms of voice acting like the Milk is Solid series. But I do think mm-hmm. that San Andreas definitely, um, in terms of at that point in time, uh, I think was like one of the best games for, for that particular thing in terms of the voice acting.
0: Jack, a couple of uh, strong memories that we haven't touched on yet, maybe?
1: Jetpack.
0: Yeah. <laughs> every this time game... I've mentioned, in, in the, in the build-up to getting Jack on the show here, every time I've had a conversation with him about talking about San Andreas on this, the Jetpack has come up. Yes.
2: This is the coolest vehicle in any GTA game, and I don't even want to fucking hear about it. And the only other thing that comes close is probably the fighter jet. Also in this game, by the way. And I know, like you know, subsequent uh, or GTA Five had a really cool fighter jet as well. But the one in this game, where you're kind of controlling the uh, like the direction of the movement and stuff of the uh, of the turbo, is really cool. But the jetpack, like, is a jetpack. It's, it's everything anybody would ever want to do is fuck around on a jetpack and like fly down and swoop down on a street full of people, cause absolute mayhem, and then just piss off in a jetpack. Like, <laughs> can you think of anything cooler than that in a video game? Because I, I really don't
0: think I can. Uh, a couple of moments for me from it. Um, I think that the moment where the narrative t- in, in act one or t- towards the end of what you'd co- like it's, it's really big this game, uh, as we've mentioned, and you can't really confine it to just like the kind of three act structure. It's many, many acts, but at the end of, of act one, there, there's a part where I, I don't want to kind of, for the, the occasional person that, that may have forgotten like Mark, uh, I, I don't want to to ruin it if they're motivated to get back into it, but there's a point, Jack, and you, you'll remember this, uh, towards the end of act one where, uh you learn some things about the people around you that kind of turns what's happening on its head and uh you you kind of realize at that moment this isn't your your classic uh tropey straightforward story that's going on it's it's a bit deeper than that was, was that a moment to you that, that that stood out a lot
2: yeah man it's it's all about the growth. that's what it's all yeah. about
0: yeah absolutely. Uh, and then the other moment for me I think is like shortly after that there's a mission that takes you out towards San Fierro for the first time like into the kind of the the woody country the wilderness
2: yeah, yeah. The, the
0: hinterlands and that's I think the first time in the game where like you can see the map from from straight away. Uh, when you start the game, but I think the first time you drive out there into the wilds and, and see the, the like the large trees and the mountain, the, the um, Mount Chiliad in the distance, I think it's the first time oh. you you really get a feel for the scale of the fucking game.
2: By the way, and one of just, my favorite it, it things to do legitimately takes my breath away. R- ride a push bike all the way up Mount <laughs> Chiliad, and then <laughs> it's just absolutely nuts. Or one of my other alternative favorite things to do is. That at the top of Mount Chiliad is a parachute because they know fuckers like me are going to get onto a motorbike, drive off the side and then just fly through the air and then release your, your uh, parachute and just gradually glide down the mountain, which is just so cool to do. Like I actually wanted to go back and play it just thinking about it.
0: One of my absolute favourite things in the game as well that's a, a bit of an, an exploit like you know people using the, the exploits like cheats and, and things like that was always fun in those old games like once you completed them doing infinite ammo cheats and things like that to really like fuck with the game uh, were always fun but one of the things that was like uh, a little thing that was put in that I remember reading in an issue of like official PlayStation 2 magazine or something at the time was that I want to say it's, it's either east or north if you get in a jet or something like that and keep flying and keep flying and keep flying as north or as east as it will go, you will eventually get out to a point where for some reason, uh, we talked about the territory control missions where there are gang territories that you can take over. If you go out to a certain extent, it fucks with the map enough that it unlocks most of the rest of the map uh, are now gang territories. This was obviously a feature that was in it at some point that almost anywhere on the map could have been a gang territory. Whereas, I, like in the game proper, it's only really kind of you know central and south central Los Santos that is like that. Um, but the idea that now pretty much the most of the game map is up for grabs in terms of turf warfare uh, really added another element of oh here's a load of a load more stuff to do to get more territory for the Grove. I I, I really really like that. Um, to to wrap up, it's tough to find the words to to sum this all up eloquently as an elevator pitch. Um, but buy like buy or download or play GTA San Andreas because. You need to understand what like a benchmark this was for, for gaming at the time. A scale that I had never seen the likes of before in my life. That the breadth of things you can do uh, is just mind-boggling, particularly for the time. Um, that the story pulls you in, the soundtrack keeps you there, uh, as does the amount of fun and, and chaos that you can rain down upon the poor, poor citizens of this f- semi-fictitious state um it is bar vice city it is my favorite grand theft auto game that ha- has ever come out and i think was um it, it it's what made i i i've i've gone on this show before and said that gta4 very much disappointed me when it came out and i think it's partly because it, it lacked the fun factor that San Andreas and Vice City had, which I think it, it, it it's so present in this game. Like, Jack just told you, like, for minutes on end about things you can do with a jetpack, with uh, a fighter jet, all the different fucked up things you can do, romance and the ladies if that's how you choose to live your life, um, all sorts of things, bombing around, listening to really, really good music on Radio X or whatever is your taste. It is just... No matter what kind of open world game you want, there is something in San Andreas for you, and it is an excellent game. There is one last bit of business left in the, this show, and that is to talk about what our game is going to be for next week. And Mark Robinson, you're up.
1: Yeah, I, this is another t- a case of where I thought we'd already talked about this game at some point but i'm pretty sure we haven't so uh correct Ah. me if i'm wrong but i'm going to take us to the ps3 slash xbox 360 and look at the game that really turned around the uh kind of licensed products um comic book type game uh, and really brought it to the forefront with a a mechanic that really was Mm -hmm. still being used to this point and uh and that would be batman arkham asylum we have not done that.
0: I will look forward to episode 77, Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, it's time to wrap up this show, episode 76, of linked to the cast. I want to thank Jack, our good friend of the show and friend of us personally, for uh, showing up again on this show, helping us out in our hour of need to colour in the details excellently, as only he can. Uh, Jack, uh, thanks once more for being on the show. Is there anything you want to plug, you want to talk about? I
2: believe there's there's something we want to tease um my own penis no um we're teasing Hello. yep <laughs> <laughs> we're te- we're teasing the return of the Dave Ryan and Jack Lazell helmed podcast about football the glorious away goals podcast yes tbc yes. out there <laughs> for for all of you maybe six people that would be interested in listening to something <laughs> like that
0: we we are back off hiatus uh with with uh, enthusiasm anew ahead of the new season so we're going to take one last swing at this and see how it goes so uh yeah i think check out our um our season preview should be forthcoming within the, the coming week or so i would imagine um but
2: Jackie, you, you got twitter and stuff to plug we, we got a make uh,
0: old pod for that podcast by the way
2: yeah at jack Lazo on twitter uh Excellent. that's that's where you can find me Uh, I'll be at Stamford Bridge uh, on the 13th of August. If you want to come hang out with me there. (laughs) And I'll be the one that's crying because he's so happy that football is back.
0: It's been gone too long, my friend. Anyway, that's gonna do it for episode 77 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast, subscribe to us, read us, review, it all helps. Tell a friend, why not? Link to the is the website. If you want to get in touch with us, link to the cast at gmail.com is the email address. But if you don't want to send an email, that's no big deal. You'll probably hear back from us quicker and keep up to date on our content better if you follow us on social media. That's facebook.com forward slash link to the cast. I'm at Link to the the cast on twitter individually i'm at dave ryan iv on the tweet machine and mark is at lithium project sometimes mark we stream games over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive them later on youtube if you just search for link to the cast Uh, our weekly video schedule Uh, starts on Monday with Mark on Mondays and that is Mark's solo play of whatever tickles his fancy at the moment Mark what are you playing through is it Titanfall still
1: still on Titanfall Um, Titanfall 2 Titanfall 2 yes I dealt with my first boss guy called Kane who was a bit of a yappy shite so I blew him the fuck up it's fine. Uh yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's um I I prefer the parts where I'm actually not in the titan just cuz maneuverability when you you kind of flinging around um by yourself, uh, I kind of prefer those moments. But uh but yeah, I'm enjoying it and looking forward to getting back to that next Monday.
0: Wednesday is Retro Corner '64, which is our look chronologically at every game ever released for the Nintendo '64 and how well or not the ROMs of those games have have held up in in 2017. Do you happen to know offhand, Mark, what's next? Is it is it Hexen? Um, it no.
1: What was? The oh first no, it's game? War Gods. It's it War is Gods. War Gods.
0: Yeah. Um, some some games you'll find are better than others in this series, uh, but we make a go of it there's a truly spectacular iss pro one coming up in a few weeks um that you should you will have to bear witness to at the time
2: thursday just play pokemon snap and just have done with it
0: (laughs) we will get there someday and we will be loving it my friend loving it when we say someday like do it tomorrow some days, Jack, we, we load up the ROMs and we get to a game we rather like. and We're just like, please let this ROM not be absolutely shit because there are a couple of ones we have played and they have not been emulated very well Ooh. at all, at all, at all. Uh, Thursday is the day this podcast comes out. It's the only thing that comes out that day. It's um, two hours or so of uh, chat and video games for you to enjoy. And Friday, we finish with Friday Plays, my solo series where I'm still playing... Um, Oxenfree, which is uh, a very, very uh, interesting kind of uh, if stranger things met night in the woods sort of game. Um, so if that tickles your fancy, check us out on Friday with Friday plays for that. Anyway, that's going to do it for episode 76 of Link to the Cast. I have been Dave Ryan. The men on the line here have been uh, Mark Robinson and the the ever wonderful Jack Lazell. Uh Thank you very much, guys. And
1: we will see you all next week.
2: What what